Welcome to this very special short episode of the Atomic Geekdom Podcast. My name is Dave. Joining me is Jenny. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and Jenny just got back from Paley Fest over the weekend. Uh, she got to be on the red carpet and do all the fancy actor things that are, you know, cool celebrity things that they do at Paley, uh, at the Paley Center for Better Call Saul this time around. Last last year, what did we do? Uh, Outlander? Outlander last year, yeah. Yeah. This year, we got to be a little more uh, interactive, and we got to talk to the cast. I yeah, should, it was... I should, I should say Jenny got to, and, and Patrick. <laughs> yes, yes. I um, We've got some interview help on this one. Um, but cameras and everything, got to, got to meet them, talk with them, and such an, such an amazing cast. Such nice guys. Everybody about it, and... It was cool listening to the development, the pre and during developments of the show and what would get us exciting going on and I'm background behind. of Breaking Bad and all yeah. that jazz. Yeah, I'm behind on Better Call. I think I'm an episode. I'm, I got to finish the third episode and then just watch the recent one that was on last Monday. But I love Better Call Saul so far for first two seasons. Yeah, it's great because it's, it's a lot like I was telling somebody about this. It's when... I tried watching Breaking Bad when it first came out, and I, I got bored with it. I was like, I don't know why everybody's excited about that. And then, like, three seasons in, a friend of mine's like, you got to go back. Just bear with it, but watch it episode to episode and just get through into the second season. And it's true. Like, it, every episode, Walter White became a little more evil until yeah. you get to the finale, and you're like, this is one evil mother ever. So, uh, Better Call Saul is kind of doing the same thing. You start with Jimmy being this kind of cool guy and then every episode he kind of pushes the envelope a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more that we were talking about it you look at where he's at now to where he was at in the first episode of better call Saul, and you start to lose some of his likability or you start to like him even more it's it's weird they do a great job with it and yeah i <laughs> I, I don't know the first episode of season one i didn't like I thought it was way too artsy, and then I, as it went on, I I loved it just as much as I loved Breaking Bad. And with Breaking Bad, I hate you got to a point when you hated Walter. Like I just hated him. He was evil. Like I like Brian Cranston a lot, but I hated the character. So it was, it was, it was a love hate relationship on that show. But I liked everything else around it, and you know, it was it's cool because you get to see like the the history of you know Jimmy now and and Mike. Um, and even a character which got one mention on Breaking Bad, supposedly, Nacho. Nacho was cool. And uh, you get to see Tuco, so. Right. So you get to build, and you, and you see, you get glimpses, brief glimpses as to what happened to him after the events of Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, I can is, never remember his name, but it's, it, those scenes are always great. What, who's the name? now, oh. instead of then. Yeah, right, right. Uh, they're, they're always in black and white. So you, you kind of know that it's, it's the future and something different and separate. Like the first time in the first episode it happened, you're like, what's happening here? Is this before, like way before or way after? And you get, they let you in as to what it is, especially in the first episode of this season. Yeah. Cause he leaves a little thing saying SG was here and he doesn't take on the name Saul Goodman until Breaking Bad. 
all good, man. <laughs> and it's cool. Uh, well, let's just talk about it when we get there. Uh, our first interview that you and Patrick did was with Patrick Fabian. Uh, yes. Patrick Fabian is an actor that plays Howard Hamlin on the show. Uh, but he's also been in a ton of stuff, and I'm actually jealous because I would talk to him all day about Veronica Mars. I would ask him lots of questions about that role. Uh, and he was also on Saved by the Bell, the college years, for eight episodes. So I would probably <laughs> talk to him about that, too. And an episode of Star Trek Voyager. He was on Xena. He did an episode of Friends. Like, this guy, if you don't know his name and you look up a picture of him, you know who we're talking about. Yeah, he does a lot of uh, Broadway, too. A lot of stage Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a, he's a big. I, I don't want to call. I don't hate pigeonholing people as character actors, but this guy's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. So uh, here is our interview, or Jenny and Patrick's interview with Patrick Fabian. Hi. Hi, I'm Patrick as well. Fantastic. Uh, from uh, just a quick question: Do you think that Howard is gen- genuinely a good guy? Oh, I think you always have to think of your characters as good guys. Absolutely, because I'm going after for what I want. You know, I said before, uh, somebody asked me about how I was putting Kim in the cornfield. I'm just helping her. I think so much of her that I think she can have her name on the wall someday. So she can't make stupid mistakes like this, especially because she's following her heart with Jimmy. So that's a good move. Now, people think it looks like bad, but I think the punishment is, fits the crime in that respect because, you know, her actions have to have consequences. Now I sound like a father, don't I? <laughs> just quick follow-up. Uh, so he looked like the he looked like the heel in the entire first season, and turned out he was just taking the bullet for Chuck. Right. Uh, how how did that character arc? Do you see that growing still in, the, in this season and beyond, or like how how did that did did you like that turn that happened? Well, you know, I I, I think the turn actually wasn't uh, wasn't me. It was people's perceptions. I was protecting Jimmy the whole time. People just thought I wasn't, and uh, in this year. I'm putting myself on the line for Jimmy. I think the most interesting thing is to figure out, so how, why am I so beholden to Chuck exactly? Is it because I'm stupid and I can't run my own company? Does he have something over me? Are we broke? Am I emotionally crippled? I mean, where's my daddy? All those sort of things come into play. And, you know, episode by episode, we see, start to find out what's going to happen with that. And I find that really interesting. So am I a good guy or a bad guy this year? Howard's always good. Whether you like him or not, that's up to you. Thank you very much. Absolutely, all right brief uh a lot of these are a little shorter one of them is longer and it's the it's the money shot i'll say that you know we'll get there but it was so cool how long you guys got to talk to him um but patrick fabian there and now we will move on to uh a a wily veteran of the comedy world and probably extremely intimidating to uber fans even though uh, I don't know. I don't know how you how you talk to somebody that was in, this is Spinal Tap and not ask them about Spinal Tap, but you can't. You, I mean, you can't at that was, kind of event. This was the decision of where I was too panicked to interview because I'm like, I can't interview Lenny. I can't See, do it. Uh, we're talking about Michael McKean, um, who is a genius. Just put it that way, and you'll hear it in the interview because he he knows his character better than anybody. I think even better than the writers. Oh, through the whole panel, through everything, he is so in tune with Chuck McGill that at one point I'm like, is he method acting? Like, he understands the characters he plays so well, and he, it, you'll totally see in this in yeah. this answer, but. 
He uh, intelligent. He's been in a ton of stuff. I would probably, if I was there, ask him about being on Smallville with his wife <laughs> so many times. <laughs> his wife, Annette O'Toole, who played Clark Kent's uh, mother on the show, but she was also in uh, one of the Superman movies as Lana Lang. So she got to do Superman two different times, uh, Superman 3 and then Smallville as a different role. So I would ask him all kinds of questions about being Perry White on Smallville. And anyway, and then of course this is Spinal Tap questions, but all right, here is Jenny and Patrick talking to Michael McKean. Do you feel that Chuck is justified in his jealousy of Jimmy's success? He's not jealous. It's not that simple. He's completely justified. You know, if you see someone who doesn't deserve something, you're not necessarily jealous of them. My success, Chuck's success will always be greater than Jimmy's. So I don't feel like he's going to swamp me in any way. But I definitely think he's doing, I think Chuck is doing the right thing. And Chuck thinks he's doing the right thing. Thank you very much. Sure. All right. That was Michael McKean and uh, his very brilliant answer to the one question we were allowed to ask, or you guys were allowed to ask. It's probably moving pretty quick when they're walking down the, the red carpet, right? Yeah, they basically they go through the line, they stop at each media outlet, and then um, you get to ask a question or two, but they have to keep moving them because they have to get them on stage. Yeah. Um, which I'll explain a little bit more later because it actually, like, some of them were ushered off quite fast, and the other ones kind of know how the deal works. So. <laughs> I'll explain um, that in a bit. <laughs> there was, uh, I think it's when we get to Bob Odenkirk. I'll ask it when we get there. But there's, yeah. Uh, so was was Jonathan Banks not there? Guy plays no, Mike. yeah, I was so bummed because I was, I wanted to see Mike. Mike is from Breaking Bad and from the show is such a great character. He's not a good guy, but he's not a bad guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's. I don't I, I don't even know what word I'm trying to get, but I wanted him to be there. But, yeah, he wasn't, unfortunately. And then we didn't get to talk to her, but she was there, right, Rhea Seahorn? Yeah, Rhea Seahorn. She was there, and she got she got ushered off two people before us quickly, and we're like, no, oh, wait, I got. I have such a crush on her because she's so she's funny. She's beautiful, yeah. And, yeah, she was good on, uh, you know, the, the, the short-lived NBC show Whitney. And then uh, uh, Franklin and Bash, she was on a lot. Uh, she's gorgeous and she's hilarious. So, and she's great on Better Call Saul. Yeah. Yeah. So. Her as Kim Wexler is, it, it's like, you know, I've said it before. There's sometimes when an actor takes on a role, you couldn't imagine it being played by anybody else. And she's, she's definitely Kim Wexler. She fits so, like, all these people fit so well in the Breaking Bad universe. Like, it's unreal when you think about it. Like, these people would would be perfect on Breaking Bad, and right. then then to see them be you know real fleshed out on Better Call Saul, it's fantastic. So, um, the next interview we got to talk to, or you guys got to talk to Michael Mando. Is that this right? This guy is hilarious, and he's an absolute sweetheart. Uh, he plays <laughs> Ignacio, Ignacio, Ignacio uh, Nacho. He's Marga. Nacho. Nacho, yeah, he's part of Tuco's gang, and uh, he was on a show that JD and I love called Orphan Black. And I don't know if he's still, I can't remember if that character died or if he's still a character around, but he's also been in, um, lost girl and psych and the killing. And, uh, he, he's a great actor and he does a really good job on better call Saul as Nacho. Like 
you think it's going to be a, a small little bit role, like maybe one or two episodes, but he's he's in a he's a main character. So yeah, he brings a sophistication to gangster that <laughs> is is lacking when most people do. But what's funny is when you watch him on Better Call Saul, he's so intense. Like, I don't want to walk into a Starbucks if he's buying a cup of coffee. Like, yeah. he's incredibly intense. And then you see him on the red carpet. He is all smiles. And it's <laughs> like, wait a minute. Wait, is that you? Right. <laughs> Super cool guy. Uh, all right. So here is Nacho, Michael Mando. Since we don't see Nacho really in Breaking Bad. We hear, we hear about him. We hear about him. I did read about that. But since we don't see Nacho in Breaking Bad, uh, what do you think possibly happened to him? I mean, you, obviously you can't give that away if yeah. you know, but uh, where do you hope his character arc goes from here? Well, I, I, I mean, there could be multiple outcomes, you know. We, we met Crazy 8 in Episode 4. We know Crazy 8 ends up uh, being work, an informant for the DEA. We know that Jimmy and Nacho end up doing something to the characters called Lalo and Paolo that we've never met before, and that Jimmy's afraid for his life. And he, bla- he puts the blame on, on Nacho. So that's as much as we know. Who knows? Maybe he cut a deal with somebody. Maybe he left town. Maybe he faked his own death. Maybe he was killed. Maybe maybe things are still happening during Breaking Bad that we're not aware of. So there's a, there's so many ways to look at it, and I think that's what's exciting. It's a roller coaster, you know. You, you know at some point there's a finish line, but you have no idea how we get there. And that's um, that mental that mental uh, acrobatics is so much fun to do. Yeah, Nacho's one of the few characters that his future, as of right now, is definitely not written. So it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting to find out where he's going to go. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. It's exhilarating. And um, we, we as actors have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. And Vince and Peter ask us to run full force in a dark room. And we trust them 100%. And uh, that's what makes it so exciting. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, that was Nacho, and now uh, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised. Uh, second to last up, we got you guys got to talk to Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, and all the rumors are true. Vince Gilligan might be the nicest man on the planet. It's Gilligan. Gilligan's Island. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's Vince Gilligan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What did I say? Did I say Gilligan? You said Gilligan. Yeah. I think you did I'm, that. I have screwed up everybody's name <laughs> in the last 24 hours. Yeah, no, he, seriously, the nicest guy. And he the sounds... conversation. Go ahead. It, it, the conversations with him, anything you asked him, he would analyze it, really pay attention, and have really well in-depth answers for you. And he did that with everybody that we were standing next to. And by the time you're done, you don't feel like it's somebody you don't know. You feel like guy you run into every now and again and you guys have been talking for hours <laughs> super and both of them too they bounced off each other so well and peter gould created essentially the Saul goodman character um if i remember correctly like he had a big part in writing that character in his first episode on breaking bad and i think he talks about it in the interview actually but i remember seeing his name pop up he was a producer and writer on breaking bad but you know that was obviously created by vince gilligan and so, but they serve as executive producers on this show and creators on this show. And here, uh, he, Vince Gilligan sounds like a genius, by the way. Like he, he thinks like he's a smart dude. And for everything I hear about how they write this show or how they wrote it pricking bad, it was like, they'd write something and then they'd, they'd have to figure out how to get this character out of that predicament. Like they don't think that far ahead. They, they did a whole thing on the panel about that. Cause 
when you go back and you look at interviews of him when they talked about the development of Walter White, he knew where Walter was going to end up. Yeah. But he had mentioned, and I'm paraphrasing, but he had mentioned on the panel that they they never get too in-depth into extra characters, like what happened to Mike's son or, um, you know, not just father. They They will introduce it, but they never go too far because they always need an out. And they might develop it more later on if it fits the organic creation of the storyline. But they always, no matter what they do, they always paint themselves a way out, which that takes a lot of work. I mean, you can probably, you know, talk more on that as being a writer, um, coming up with a story and having those, you know, <laughs> where you don't pigeonhole yourself. Or Yeah, I've tried different ways, like of thinking things out when I write or just just going nuts and just letting it, letting the, the keyboard take me where it wants to take me and then figuring it out later. <laughs> right. It's, it's hard either way, but it's, I think it's more fun to just let it happen. Like you want to, you know where the ending is and then you just let it happen to get there. And then you come up with these cool ideas and then you can kind of go back and be like, I need, I need to plant this seed here for this happening later. And you, you can do that with writing, but you know, you can't do that with a show because you're writing it and it has to be, it has to be there or it's not there. Um, okay. But anyway, they know better than I do. I'm just I, I write for fun. These guys get paid millions and millions of dollars to produce these amazing shows. So let's hear Rightfully it. Actually, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Let's hear it straight from Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. What made you decide to cast Bob back in Breaking Bad, and when did you realize that you could build a series off of his character? Two, yeah, uh, two, uh, gosh, where did we, uh, you know what, Bob, we've always been a fan, uh, we didn't even real, realize this about ourselves back in the early days, but we were both huge fans of Mr. Show with Bob and David. David Cross and Bob Odenkirk had this great HBO show that was just required viewing for both of us, and this was long before we knew each other. That's true. And when you created a character of, uh, talk about creating a character of, 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 of Saul Goodman. Well, Saul Goodman, you, you know, I, I, we say I created him, but it's everything that come out of, comes out of the writer's room is really a group effort. Uh, I was lucky enough to get to write the first episode with Saul Goodman. And of Breaking Bad. Of Breaking Bad, the first, the first time we introduced him. And, you know, we were just, I, I always loved Bob, and especially on Mr. Show. He had this way of playing these characters who were a little bit square. You know, when he and David used to come out, David Cross would be the one in the T-shirt and the jeans, and Bob would be the one in a, in a sports coat and a tie. There was always something a little bit spiffy about him, and he's also so great yeah, at like playing. Yeah, like 1960s spiffy. 1960s. Old school. Yeah, old yeah. school spiffy. Yeah. And it just see, he seemed right for the character. And we, we bo- I, I, I thought it was too good to be true yeah. that, he would, that we'd get him. Uh, but sure enough, well, there he was in Albuquerque just a few weeks later. He was one of the only two actors I can think of on, on Breaking Bad who didn't read for the role that they that they got. Brian Cranston never read for Walter White. Bob Odenkirk never read for uh, Saul Goodman. And uh, it was not too long after he started appearing in episodes that we started to joke in the writer's room that maybe it'd be fun to have a Saul Goodman TV show, a Saul Goodman spinoff. But it, it was a joke for a lot of years, and then suddenly it dawned on us, well, you make the same joke over and over again. There's got to be some real truth to it. Although, although I think we were both, I, I personally was worried that for, there'd be a really good reason to kill him off on Breaking Bad. And now that we now that we we are where we are, of course, we could have still done the show, but at the time it felt like, boy, if we kill him off in the course of Breaking Bad, 
That's going to put a damper on the spinoff. Yeah. And so, fortunately, we didn't. Fortunately, we didn't. We would have, though. Yeah. All right, thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you. All right, so that was the men behind the show, and now it's time to talk to the man, Bob Odenkirk. Uh, if you don't know who Bob Odenkirk is, much like apparently the one person that's asking questions along with Patrick and you did not know Mr. Show. Uh, oh, it's embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> real, real quickly, real quickly. And you'll hear this in the clip, but I have to give you kind of a preamble so you know what's going on. So they've already ushered everybody away. Bob Odenkirk's the only one left on the red carpet. And they're starting the panel. But they started the panel with showing Monday's episode. And they're playing the episode on a screen behind us. And he just stopped. Like, you ask him a question, he just stops. And he's not paying attention to anybody. Not not to like, be rude. He's not being rude at not all. Not being rude at all. Yeah. But he's watching the television. And he, like, puts his hand on Patrick's shoulder. And he's like, I have, you know. And, like, he goes on this whole. He watched probably a couple minutes of the episode, you know, <laughs> like, what's going on. So you'll hear that in the thing but he it's one of those where you know he's a pro because he wasn't rushing out he's like they're gonna do this i can get on stage later what do you gotta ask me this this is my show yeah it's my show they can wait for me but (laughs) but yeah i was standing next to a 20 year old girl who was um she was interviewing for a a female i think it was like a female website for a call at the university Mm -hmm. and he and no clue Mr. Show was. I was just like, ooh, and, and I mean, but he, you'll you'll hear him. It's funny. I mean, it's intimidating as it is, but going to the red carpet, you know who's going to be there. Paley lets you know who's there. Like you do a little research before you go. Come on now. Yeah, but you do research on the show that you're doing, True. or like, you know. True. Yeah, I suppose. Party. I suppose I wouldn't expect you know to be talking to Bob Odenkirk about Mr. Show when he's there to talk about Better Call Saul. That's a good point. Right. Right. But it is. It is really funny because if if i watched mr show when it was on but when we were driving back i was trying to remember certain episodes and until <laughs> patrick says the what was it the intimidator the, yeah, the roller yeah. coaster commercial i had totally forgotten about that because it has been so long so i was hoping he would catch that and start talking about it but he didn't. i know <laughs> was too, he was just like oh, uh, darn it you yeah. can hear me <laughs> right right uh yeah mr show and then they kind of revived it on netflix with bob and david uh, Mr. Show. So that's on Netflix if you guys want to watch it. I think Mr. Show might be on Netflix, but I could be wrong. Can't go wrong with David Cross either. So. Although Mr. Show is HBO, so it's probably on HBO Go. So you can watch. Oh, Mr. yeah, I'm betting you because they have everything on Go back and watch it because da- David Cross is hilarious. Bob Odenkirk is hilarious. So you definitely. And there's a bunch of like cameos and guest appearances. So. Yeah. Uh, another thing you could have talked to him is he actually went to school in my city. He went to Marquette University, which is in Milwaukee. Uh, yeah. Hey, hi, Bob. Um, yeah. My friend Dave, he lives by your college. You could have done like the Matt Foley thing or the Chris Farley thing. Uh, <laughs> remember how you went to Marquette? That was pretty awesome. You know what's so <laughs> funny is when I, when I hand Patrick the microphone and I was like, I can't do this. I'm too nervous. He looks at me and he goes, just do it like Chris Farley. Just go. Yeah. You remember that time on Breaking Bad? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. You should have done that. That would have been great. <laughs> oh, you would have got a kick out of it. He was friends with Farley. Oh. Uh, he if he would have caught it. <laughs> if not, we would have looked like idiots. <laughs> he was he was in that Farley documentary, I Am Chris Farley. I remember. He's, he was friends with him. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, so Bob Odenkirk, man. He's he's Saul Goodman. He's uh, Jimmy. He's James. He's every character on the show, the main guy. 
And he, he talked most to us. And here is that interview. And it's fantastic. And I, I love this guy even more. So here it is. To figure out what the hell's happening in the show. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what happens here. All right. Uh, just I've been telling everybody I don't remember anything that happens until I see it because we shoot it kind of out of order. We shoot one scene at one episode at a time, but not in order. Uh, and I mean so much, you know, that it, it's I just forget. But now I'm looking at this. This is so great. She's busting my balls in this scene. Oh yeah. That doesn't seem to happen very often, though. By the way, that is uh, uh, that is uh, Jesse Ennis right there, and I knew that girl when she was four years old. Oh yeah. Was that weird? John, her dad, her father is John Ennis. Does anybody know who he is? I don't know John Ennis. He's an actor and a cast member of Mr. Show. Oh, great! In fact. Jesse, that girl right there, mm-hmm. was in Mr. Show oh. when she was four years old. That's really cool. Hey, quick question. Do you know Mr. Show? I don't. Oh. Sorry. Big fan. Big that fan of Mr. Show. That was my sketch show on HBO. Oh, awesome. It had the Three Annihilator, years, roller coaster. And that girl was in it as a baby. Oh, my goodness. The, since you are a successful comedic actor and comedian comic writer, do you feel you're having your Cranston moment because he came in as kind of a comedic actor and now it's doing more drama? I'm on my Cranston moment. <laughs> now you're getting Every more claim. Wants Cranston <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it's a weird uh, transition. Um, but, you know, the thing is I was never that successful as a comic actor or writer and witness these two girls who never heard of Mr. Show. But you know what I mean? So I don't have to get past anything. It makes it easier for me because, and, and listen, I did great. The show did great. I made a living. I bought a house. You know. But it was never so big that I have this big transition to make for the public. I mean, as far as the effort of uh, acting in comedy versus acting in drama, that's a that's a cool challenge. That's that is different. There are differences, and that's a but that's a neat thing, especially when you get older. You're lucky enough to turn fifty and have somebody go try something else. It's different from what you've been doing. That's a rarity for someone to get that opportunity, and uh, I appreciate it. How, how is it working with Michael McKean again uh, after the Saturday Night Live years? Uh, well, I actually didn't work with Michael at Saturday Night Live. He actually was on Mr. Show, too. I don't remember that, but that's, yeah, that's interesting. He's a guest actor on Mr. Show. Um, I think he's been on everything, though. Yes, yes. You're right. That's, the guy's Lenny. It's a uh, SAG rule. You have to employ <laughs> Michael McKean. Um, uh, it's wonderful to work with him, and he is uh, wildly talented. And it's so great to see him getting the role uh, that he gets, lets him show how deep and sensitively he can play a person. I think, I hope that he gets some attention as far as uh, awards and stuff, because he deserves it. Chuck is an amazing, touching, uh, rich character who is so tough and 
sort of smart and confident and then just breaks like that, just on screen, just cracks right in front of you constantly, just constantly showing this delicate inner self, you know, it's amazing. It's an amazing performance. People should talk about him and not me. <laughs> in the beginning, was there any hesitation when they said the word spin-off? Because oh, sometimes yeah, it sure. doesn't work. No, no, there's still hesitation. Still, <laughs> you've been successful, though. We're here, too, and it's still like, I hope they don't hate me. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. It, whenever you do something that's sort of built out of something people love a lot, you risk just being resented for using that love in a, in, a, in a way that's cheap. But I think people gave us a chance, and I'm thankful for that, and very quickly realized that these two guys, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, were not going to use their love of Breaking Bad in a cheap way. That they, that they were willing to earn your respect and your appreciation for this different project. And so I think people got that pretty quickly. And and so we're but we're still very lucky. I mean we're still very lucky that critics and the audience both I think really watched with an open mind. And one of the reasons though, Breaking Bad didn't exhaust people. It didn't last so long that you went, That's enough. Okay, I get it. And a lot of shows most shows do. Most shows go two years after you've sort of had your fill. But Breaking Bad Boy, people could have gone another three to five years, I think, on that show. Yeah. So so because of that, that left us a reservoir, I think, of, of real goodwill. Yeah. Plus, originally it was thought up as a half-hour comedy, wasn't it? Well, not really. That was floated. The, I think the, the, the real story there is that when these guys, Vince and Peter, say, we didn't really know where it would go or what the show would be, they mean it. They, they were going to consider anything. They just liked the character and thought there was more to him to discover. What that meant, they weren't sure of yet. Um, they did talk. What if it's a half-hour sitcom? They talked about what if it's uh, an hour show where every week Saul Goodman has a different client. And every week he solves their case, their problem, without going to court. That was a version of the show that they discussed briefly. Uh, and, and so that would have been more like a sort of a network-type version, I think. But this is, uh, boy, they went out on a limb with this show. It's all with a laugh track would be weird. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Do you find, yeah. do you find that your preparation for Saul versus your more comedic roles like Mr. Show is very different? Or would it look well, like it is different because uh, comedy sketches are pretty easy to uh, figure out. They're like addition. And then this is like, I don't know, calculus or something. So that's okay. That's what they should be. It's not like they're lame because of that. They just are very simple. And uh, the character has a simple drive, and it's laid out very obviously. If it's done well, it's very simple. And this is something that you have to look at and go, wait, what's going on here? You have to take it apart. You have to think about it. You have to play it. And then maybe you discover something while you're, while you're doing it with the other actor, and you go, wait a second. Oh, I thought I was angry here, but I'm not. And so there's a lot to discover in this versus a comedy sketch. Um, and 
that doesn't make one better than the other. It's just a, the nature of these two very different uh, kinds of production. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, wrap it up. Better Call Saul, Atomic Geekdom. I'm Patrick. See you. All right, so that's that's Bob Odenkirk, the man. You got to hear a couple questions from a, a couple other outlets, but we're just going to include him anyways because why not? Because uh, he's awesome and it's fun to talk to, and he just hung out and watched part of the episode with you guys. That was pretty sweet. Uh, okay, so then you guys go inside, right? You go and watch the panel? Yep, you go. They basically rush him out, and the panel had kind of already started. Like I was saying, they, have, they played the... Monday's episode, so I can't remember what episode number it is, but for um, like lat, the previous Monday or the one that's coming up, the one that comes out on the um, tomorrow. Okay, yeah. so okay, so episode five. Yeah, so they they were playing that, but it was you know getting to the so by the time we got into the theater and sat down, we caught probably the last twenty minutes, and then everybody comes out on stage and ready to go. So it, it was it was a good panel though. There was um. A lot of the writers were in the audience, so they they gave a lot of shout outs to the the crew that helps make it what it is. Oh, that's awesome! Um, the funniest part: there was a girl that does a she's like super high up in the fan base. Like she has a podcast or a website that she goes and um, uh, they called her out and they shot the camera over to her and she's like, "What?" <laughs> she's like about ready to cry and she's like, "They're awesome." They do special like get-togethers, and they make food and everything. And they even did a cobbler night. And if you oh, watch the show, you'll episode, totally yeah. know what that is. <laughs> Which then turns into a whole idea where they went back and forth trying to talk about we should do that for raffles. Like we'll raffle it off, and you know, Rhea will come and have pie with you in bed. <laughs> it's like, oh, weird. No. <laughs> totally uh, weird. Wait, wait, Rhea will? Okay, I'm in. I'm in. The Let's... actors, yep. <laughs> <laughs> if it's gonna be Rhea, I'm in. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so it, it was good, but it was nice too to with all them on stage, they they bounced off of each other quite a bit about you know the the thing of, you know, having brothers and what it's like. A lot of them have brothers themselves, so you can kind of relate to the Jimmy Chuck storyline sure. and um the episode that airs on the 14th does a lot of background on Jimmy and Chuck. So they went into a lot of that and how the, where a lot of Chuck's kind of, I don't know if you want to call it anger is, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was a cool insight of seeing where the actors want to, you know, take the characters. And then of course, you know, the showrunners are talking about how they come up with these and the writers and that were also in the audience and, you know, how they direct the storyline because all in all, we kind of know how it ends, you know, because of breaking bad, we know how it ends. Cause I think better call Saul is supposed to be set in like 2002. Uh, breaking bad in I just closed it. So it's it's like, like five years, I think. Yeah. It's like five or six years different. So we we know what happens to Mike. We know what happens to well, somewhat well, what happens yeah. to Saul um, or Jimmy. Um, Six years. We before. know what happens to Tuco. But then there's all these other characters that are so a part of this show that you didn't see right. in Breaking Bad. So there's all these questions of it's you're building you're building the Saul character, which is fun, but you're also building into the, the that that. 
that universe that we were talking about, that better that Breaking Bad universe. Not to attach it to like you know the, the new cinematic universe thing that's a big trend now because of Marvel being so successful and now Ghostbusters and Men in Black and Twenty One Jump Street being in the same universe and all that garbage. But no, this is you know, it's the same world, but you see more of it with these amazing characters, and I guess. That's a testament to the writing and Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. And then, of course, these actors who bring these awesome characters to life. And you're like, even though he's kind of a dick, I want to see more of of uh, Patrick Fabian's character, uh, Howard. Like, yeah. And he was well, right in the interview. Like, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It's like, he comes off as such a douche. You know, you're like, oh, I hate that lawyer. Yeah. But then when he explains it and, like, how he looks at that character, you kind of feel bad for him because right. he's not actually the bad guy if you look at it in his he's, life. He's you know? more of just doing his job, essentially, and not, not, like, not like a stormtrooper does their job. But, like, you know, he's, he's acting on behalf of Chuck. Right. Well, and then even, you know, that answer with, you know, what was the question again? It was like, you know, Chuck's jealousy towards. Yeah. And it's not. It's, you know, he he basically is watching Jimmy just screw everything up. And it's right. his responsibility to set it right. And he's fed up with it. He's fed he up says, with picking up the pieces. Right. Like Chuck says it in an episode when he shows up at the building to a meeting and, you know, Jimmy's like, well, what are you doing here? He's like, my name is on the building. And yeah. like, like now you're my brother and you're representing my company. So now you're representing me twice in one profession, like in one job. And you're, you're just, you're a conist and I got to watch you. I can't remember if it's in, if it's in the interview or if it was on the panel, but when they were interviewing Patrick Fabian about the Howard character, he's like, I'm running a business. <laughs> He's like, I, I'm running a business where my partner sleeps under a space blanket. He's <laughs> like, I, if I come off bad, then he's like, I'm trying to keep this business in line and make yeah, money. Right, <laughs> He's right. Like, I don't care about people's feelings. I need to keep this law firm going. <laughs> and it, it, again, it, like, that's what makes it so fun because you, 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 put so much of your life into watching these shows because they're so entertaining and to get that little extra insight is sometimes such a great gift and such an amazing amount of wealth in itself to the scheme of things because I never looked at it that way before. Mm -hmm. I always just looked at him as the a-hole lawyer. And now, now when I'm looking at it, it's like, Oh, poor guy's got a lot of crap he's got to deal with. Could you imagine having to deal with Jimmy every day? Holy bejeez. Or you know? Chuck. <laughs> or like, Chuck, yeah. Or mm-hmm. Chuck, yeah. Um, but then on the opposing side, too, like, Jimmy or Saul's character is so awesome for the fact that I don't I don't think he realizes the destruction that he causes. And he's he's so kind. Like, when Chuck falls, you know, he's there. He's he puts the space blanket on him and he he makes sure that he's safe, makes sure that the cell phones and stuff stays out in the mailbox. Like there's this likable characteristic to him. And then he, I don't think he sees how much destruction he does, which it totally gives that whole new layer to the Chuck character. Yeah. So you can start to empathize with them a little bit more. Something I like about this show is their attention to detail, like the aesthetic of this is, you know, uh, not just six years earlier. This is, and in, in the timeline sense, what Breaking Bad started in like 2008. 
Yeah. So then it's like 2002 is when this is set. So we have flip phones and we have references to movies like Corky Romano. (laughs) And like the the writers have to pay attention that this isn't present day, like, or, or even just six years ago, this is, you know, uh, 14 years ago. This time, yeah, you're not going to see like a brand new Mustang and you're not going to see an iPhone. Right. But they make make mention. They make mention of the H2 Hummer on that show being just off the line. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, it's they do a good job at keeping that in mind, especially with Jimmy and his flip phone. And um, but at, at a point, Jimmy realizes being a con artist isn't all that great. Like he has the, a fun night with with uh, <clears throat> with Kim, where they they kind of con this guy out of paying for their bar tab. And then the next day he's in the pool seeing another Mark and he, ta- he calls her and leaves her a message. And then he realizes, you know, she's got a real job. She's doing, she's living her life the right way. And I had an offer to do the same thing. I need to do this. And so he's starting to kind of clean up his act, but he's still the same guy. He's still Jimmy. And you see that when he makes his commercial and the things he's doing to try to win cases, um, which is just, There's, well, it's also though. That's what, and I didn't know this until somebody asked, like there was a fan in the audience that asked it and I had to go back and look, but that whole episode in Salt where they start drinking the tequila and it's like $50 a shot. Yep. That's a throwback to Breaking Bad. Oh, really? There's the whole scene where, um, uh, what was the, 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 oh gosh. I can't think of it. Gus. You remember Gus? Yeah. And they go down to Mexico to meet with like the main, um, the main bad guy, the main drug supplier. Mm-hmm. There's a whole scene of him holding the tequila and telling Gus about how important and amazing this tequila is. Have a drink, my friend. And <laughs> they all drink. Okay. Remember? Yeah, I do. So same tequila. I was it's... like, I would have never in a, is it the found that Easter egg? Probably the the cap on the bottle is why that was such an important detail. Yeah, yeah. yep. It's like the agave plant or yeah. something like that. And she but, got it, she got it, he the the bartender gave it to her as a souvenir, and that's probably that, why that it made such a big deal out of it. Yeah, would have never caught that. But that goes back to what you're saying with like the attention to detail, um, just little things. They did speak about that too on the panel where they've had opportunities to put little guest appearances, like little cameos in of different people that were in the Breaking Bad Mm storyline. And um, I want to say it was Vince Gilligan that said, um, he said it's hard. He needs the rest of the writers to refrain him because it's easy to throw somebody in and it works and it totally works. Like, and he was, he was talking about in a future episode, they had a perfect organic way of putting in a character and he wanted to do it because it it was so, it was so perfect to both storylines that it, it made so much sense. And he was talked out of it. And he's like, and now when I look back at these epi- that that episode, I'm glad they talked me out of it because I could have put it in, and it would have worked. But I'm glad I didn't. And it's it's nice to hear that there's that restraint. Yeah, because then you're you're pandering to the fan in in you when you do that. Like I'm sure they get asked all the time, like why don't you have this person come back or this person? And it's like, well, you you can't. We heard we heard people um when they were going into the theater talk about that, or they were like, oh, when are they going to have Walt show Walter White show up? Or yeah. When are they going to have Jesse show up? And I'm like, 
If you do that, Jesse then that's the been show. Like Ten years old, right? You know, well, you like, do that, then you're doing Breaking Bad because yeah. they don't meet Saul till Breaking Bad, right? Because then, okay, well, now you're telling the story that you've already told. Yep. So you got to give complete thumbs up to the whole the whole crew that works on this show. I mean, the acting is great, and just the writing and the development of it. And then to Paley Fest too, and uh, Paley. <laughs> They they never cease to amaze me. I mean, if you guys haven't checked out Paley Center for Media, there's there's one located in Beverly Hills and another one in New York. Um, their whole kind of drive is just to preserve broadcast, pre- yeah. preserve the greatness of TVs and movies and things. You know, the things that make us fans, that make us love the entertainment field, and they they give these great opportunities. They're a lot I mean, of times, Haley Fest is great. Yeah, if you can't be there, they'll stream it on their website sometimes, uh, the panels. So I don't like that's how I watched Flash and Arrow last year, was they streamed it. And but to be there in person, I can imagine is only like it's like the con experience, but I think done to a a higher quality level. Yeah. And they and it's it's nice too because they're starting to get really good recognition and even better, but they've always had really good panels. Um, my very first time of seeing a Paley Fest, I, I can't remember if it was 2009 or 2010, but I did the True Blood one and it was at the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood. <laughs> so we're just in a movie theater and it was, it was great. And I've been to pretty much each, at least one panel every year since then. I saw the Dexter panel, which was really good because it was right after season four. Oh, okay. Um, the Trinity so, Killer? The Trinity Killer. And they had Rita on the panel and Ooh. everything. So, I mean, you get to go in there as a fan and you realize that the people who make it are just as big a fan as you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that gets disconnected a lot when you're reading news articles or magazines and things. Yeah. That when you actually see the people who... I mean, they're artists. I mean, that's the easiest way to explain it. But Paley has done a really good job of pulling together the TV companies and and the shows that people are interested in, getting amazing cast and creators to do the panels. And then it's no holds bar. Like, you can ask them anything. And and it's 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 so intimate, I guess, is the best way to, to say. Even if you're, you know, even though you're sitting in the Dolby Theater where you might be sitting in the seat that, Brad Pitt was sitting at for the Oscars. <laughs> it's still an intimate feeling, you know. It's it's great. So Total thumbs up. Okay, so that uh, we got we got Better Call Saul locked up, all done. We were we had a chance to do Supergirl, but it wouldn't have been the red carpet. It would have just been the panel. So we passed this time. Uh, right, you guys aren't going to be at that one. Yeah, no, uh, I think that was tonight. I think. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. That was tonight. And then next weekend, it's uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Yes, I'm. Um, I'm excited for that one too because it's that one's coming right around the corner. It starts on what is it, April 14th? Is yeah, that yeah. The season two. Premiere? Three weeks. Three weeks. Because uh, it's there's three episodes of Walking Dead left, so it comes up right after that. So you're gonna get to see Kim Dickens, Cliff Curtis, Frank Delane, your your new other boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> Alicia Debnam Carey, Lorenzo James Henry, Ruben Blades, Mercedes Mason. Coleman Domingo, Dave Erickson, the showrunner, and then Gail Ann Hurd. She's the executive producer for both Walking Dead shows. Uh, no Kirkman. That's kind of disappointing. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't really write this. He's just sort of sure. Added, I know, but... so it makes sense that he's like 
No, but you got Erickson. Erickson's the showrunner, so yeah, that'll be fun. So look for another one of these next weekend. Uh, we'll have another, and then I'll, of course Jenny will have an article up on the website with all the pictures from from the Saul panel, and then from and the red carpet, and from both for Fear of the Walking Dead next week. And uh, we'll have the links in the show notes for that as well, so you can find it easily, or just go to TomAndKeekin.com. It'll be right there on the front page, most likely. Yep. By the time this releases, that'll be out. So, uh, Jenny, thank you, and thank Patrick for going and asking all the all the tough questions. Will do, will do, and thank you so much. This was fun. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, this is just a short mini episode. Tune in later this week for another episode, or later next week, whatever. I have no idea when, when this is going to come out yet, because we're going to wait for the article, and I'm busy too, and I'm tired, and I'm not going to edit this tonight. So. <laughs> uh, and there's lots to edit with lots of sound bites, all, uh, amazing sound. So, uh, yeah, so thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Paley Fest. Thank you, Paley Center. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you to Better Call Saul. It looked like, it sounds like it was a ton of fun. I had fun vicariously living through all the pictures Jenny was sending me uh, as it was happening. So, there you go. And then next weekend, I'll be at C2E2. So, hopefully, I'll have some cool nuggets for all you guys as well from that. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, who's going to, oh, yeah. Sons of Anarchy people are going to be there. Um, Opie and uh, the Irish dude. Ooh, we're talking chibs? Chibs, yep. Nice. And nice. then, and then I'm going to do my very best to talk to most of Benoist, AKA Supergirl and just get that out of, so I can cross that off the bucket list and die happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cause she's adorable. And uh, that show is really good. So, all right guys, that's it for this week. I'm done being creepy and uh, thank you, Jenny. Oh, uh, you're here. So uh, one more time, you get the last word and it is uh, nachos and cheese. Two words, three words.